Hello and welcome to Writer's Block, the writing podcast for writing your book from start to finish. And this is our last episode of the season. I'm Rebecca. I'm Becky. I'm Brianna. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to be talking about genres today. Sometimes when you look at an agent's wish list, the genres that they represent, there might be some genres and terms that you might be unfamiliar with. So we just wanted to go over some of those with you guys and help you out. So a lot of them are going, I mean, a lot of them are ones that you're going to be familiar with, but I wanted to talk about some of the terms that might you might not have heard before you start querying. Um, so the first one that I learned was, uh, Sterling, you're going to have to say this after me because I know you can say it right and I can't. Bulldungsroman? <laughs> um, one second. I have to be looking at that word. Oh, great. Bill, Bulldungsroman. I don't know. We talked about it in one of my classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird word. Bulldungsroman. All that means is coming of age story. So if you so if it's like a young adult story, then this person is going to experience some growing up character <laughs> development. Okay, the next one I wanted to talk to you guys about is commercial fiction. What does an agent mean when they say they like to represent commercial fiction? And I should have looked this one up. Well, gen- generally speaking, commercial fiction are the ones that, like, people who read regularly but don't have a particular passionate area, they're the ones that they they gravitate towards. So, bestseller lists, like the new James Patterson book, that's commercial fiction. It's got its subgenre. It's like thriller or supernatural. It's got all those other genres, too. But commercial fiction are the ones that are built to be as widely appeal appeal to everybody as possible um, to get on bestsellers lists and to be that book that ends up on like book clubs and things like that. Like it's their, their point of being written and published is to make money. Yeah. So according to my Google search, exactly what Sterling was saying, it's to appeal to a broad audience. Don't get me wrong. Every book is published to hopefully make money, but these ones are like meant to make a lot. Yeah. The next big thing. Okay. I, because fantasy is, is my genre. I would like to talk about some of the sub genres of fantasy that I didn't know before. So let's talk about the difference between low, low fantasy and high fantasy. And how how do you guys separate those two? Oh, I think of high fantasy as kind of like like Lord of the Rings. It's in its own world. You have like your classic fantasy tropes with like elves and dwarves and big battles and things like that. Yeah, that's from what I was reading online, that's that's the basic separation. Low fantasy is often set in the real world with some weird magical element. The example I found was the Indian in the cupboard, which if you guys aren't familiar with that story, it's about a boy whose Indian figurine comes to life. Um, So it's mostly real world with some magic in it. High fantasy or epic fantasy is in its its own world, 
there's magical creatures oftentimes and there this world lives by its own rules and physical laws and another one that i didn't know beforehand is magical realism and magical realism can include things like the supernatural like ghosts so there is a realistic world setting and there are magical things that happen, but people treat it like everyday life. Magic realism, I think, could also be that they don't make it clear whether the magic is real or not. Like, there was a book I read, it was called You Let Me In, and it's like this lady who has like all these horrible things happen to her and stuff. But the whole time, like, she explains it with like fairies and stuff did it, but then there's also this other narrative that like she was abused and everything, and you never really know which it was. So that's another way to look at magic realism. Yeah, the the example I found that I've seen the movie, not read the book, is um, The Life of Pi. The kind of more archetypal example of magical realism is um, the writings of, uh, shoot, <laughs> I forgot his name. How did I just forget his name? Hundred Years of Solitude, lo- um, yeah, that's that's like the classic book. Hundred Years of Solitude. Gabriel Marquez, no, Garcia. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, I know Gabriel we- Garcia Marquez. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's like the archetypal example, and I think it might be useful to maybe differentiate a little between like a magical realism setting versus something like urban fantasy, because like with an urban fantasy. You're kind of having a more stereotypical fantasy story. They're usually adventure focused and sometimes it'll have a parallel world element where like the magical world is kind of underground. Sometimes it will be more integrated in. So you can have um, like an urban fantasy like uh, Shannon Hale's Rapunzel's Revenge, where it's just like a Western town, but also fairies are here and giants are here, you know? (laughs) Um, But it's very much like written like a fantasy adventure story. They go on a quest, that sort of thing. Where magical realism tends to be kind of these more grounded, everyday slight I don't want to say slice of life but like very like lived in tales like these are just kind of how these people live and also somebody's married to a tiger and one day some lady goes out into a field and just like ascends to heaven but like none of it's treated as like a grand adventure it's kind of more in the vein of like this is just how the world is if that makes any sense at all the way the way that I've always looked at it is that magical realism is people who write literary fictions fiction, it's their line in the sand in including magic. Like, they want to write a character piece that's literary fiction, that's got all the makings of being study, being studyable in, in college, but they want to include magic. And so that's what they do. But low fantasy would be urban fantasy, like the Dresden Files and, and all that stuff, where it's the real world, but it's got magic and stuff. And so low fantasy and magical realism there's a big there's a line between those two for me where it's the literary fiction crowd and the we want to have fun and blow things up people. I was trying to say that without just saying magical realism is literary fiction but there's magic there. <laughs> it's 
it's the only way that I've ever understood it. And so that's the only way I can describe it. It's, they're really, really amazing pieces. Like the ones that come to mind for me are uh, Bridge to Terabithia, Tuck Everlasting. Uh, these books that include some very strong magical elements. There are some African magical realism books that are amazing, but it's the magic is not the focus. It's not the point. It's not like it's it's there and you're not sure it's there all at the same time, like literary fiction likes t- to do. So, yeah. So let's um let's start talking about literary fiction because I don't feel like the difference between literary fiction and shall we say commercial or genre fiction? Yeah, I guess maybe genre. I'm I'm not sure that the difference between literary and genre fiction is something that everybody knows. <laughs> in literary fiction, it's the kind of thing that you would study in your high school English class. Well, or college English class, but you know, you'll study it in school. Some people read it for fun. I don't, but and and it's kind of it's the books that um kind of defy specific genre descriptions. So when you think of genre and you think of like Harry Potter, it's a kids fantasy magic book. But literary fiction doesn't really fall into those categories super well. Um it's the way I always looked at it when I try to think about books is if you had a person uh let's say you've got like a drama person, a theater person and they're just like very posh about the theater and about different types of plays. And they don't think that anything off Broadway is good. Things like that, like that attitude is what literary fiction has. I'm not ragging on literary fiction people, but the, it's, it's the attitude that they have that my book is undefinable. And so usually they're very character focused. Usually not a ton of stuff happens, honestly. Um, it's usually just some person's musings about the world stuff happens, but it's like the man at the grocery store was more rude to me than normal. And now I'm going to have an existential crisis and discover the meaning of life. That's literary fiction. Whereas genre fiction is I'm going to go kill this dragon with a fork. I stole from the fairy queen. Um, (laughs) I think generally what you're saying From what I read online, literary fiction is, like Sterling was saying, character-driven and introspective. doesn't, like, easily fit in the other genres. And it's more likely to be contemporary. So, like, it takes place in the real world and is modern for whenever it was written. Okay, so one I actually just found while I was doing this is general fiction. Because I'm actually not sure if I... I think it must be similar to literary because the the definition I found is pretty similar. It says general fiction can fit into so many genres, it's hard to put them into just one. So some of the examples from my online search were 1984, Gone with the Wind, 100 Years of Solitude, which Becky mentioned earlier, The Giver, Grapes of Wrath, Great Gatsby, and the little prince. Those those also all sound like magical realism. Like you could maybe put those in magical realism. Yeah. Gen- general fiction, at least in library, general fiction is the catch-all term for anything that doesn't can't fit under horror, mystery, thriller, romance. That can't fit under a genre label. 
So I think literary fiction, magical realism, um, contemporary uh, women's fiction, um, I think falls under that too, um, since women's fiction defines a lot of options. But in the library, there's generally a, a general fiction section and just about everything and anything can be in there. I have found stuff that I would say is sci-fi or fantasy, and it feels like it's explicitly that, but it'll be in the general fiction section because it doesn't follow the same tropes or plot lines or format of a regular sci-fi or fantasy novel. But if I remember right, I'm pretty sure it's just the catch-all term uh, for anything that's not... It's I think it's a way of saying... I don't want genre fiction. I don't want heavy genres um, submitted to me. But if it's in the real world or it's got my, minor magic, we we can go with that. Uh, like we can move forward with a query. At least that's how it's treated in libraries for the most part. So how how would you differentiate that from literary fiction? Um, general fiction is the umbrella above literary fiction. Uh, so if general fiction is the umbrella beneath it is like literary fiction, women's fiction, even some commercial fiction. So like things like where the crawdads sing and uh, gift of the magi, things like that, that would fall under the literary fiction helm, but would also fit under general fiction. Um, so if I were to read that an agent wants general fiction, I'd be say that they'd say they'd be open to magical realism, literary, women's fiction, unless they specify otherwise. But if they just say general fiction, then they might not know what they want, and they're just looking for what they want. It's about as broad as you can get of of a genre label as possible, unless you just put General. books. Generally, <laughs> yes, general. I'm going to say general a lot, but if you just say I'm interested in books, that would be a step above saying I'm interested in general fiction. Yeah. Okay, here's one that I st- I didn't look up and I still don't know. <laughs> so maybe you guys know, and if not, I'm going to search it, but speculative fiction. I could be wrong, but my understanding is that speculative fiction is just like things that aren't realistic. So like fantasy, sci-fi, maybe supernatural. Oh, okay. Nailed it. Okay, here's here's Wikipedia. Speculative fiction is a broad category of fiction encompassing genres with elements that do not exist exist in reality, recorded history, nature, or the present universe. Such fiction covers various themes in the context of supernatural, futuristic, and other imaginative realms. Okay, so yeah, that seems like another really broad <laughs> genre description. I would say if if literary fiction and commercial fiction, that stuff has general fiction as an umbrella, speculative fiction is the umbrella for genre fiction. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. For fantasy, sci-fi, horror, that stuff, not all, not altogether. It usually goes to an absurd degree, but it's an umbrella that could fit over. If you had to have two umbrellas that fit over all books speculative fiction versus general fiction would wouldn't be a bad comparison nice uh, i like that do you guys want to talk about science fiction and what some of the subgenres of science fiction are i kind of want to hear you guys' take on it because because brianna and sterling both write some sci-fi 
Um, yeah, so science fiction um, is another umbrella term, but uh, generally speaking, it involves uh, technology of some kind, a, a focus on science in some way. It doesn't have to be crazy. Like, like uh, there's a subgenre called hard sci-fi that, like, if you were to do the math, it works. Like, theoretically, it works, but it works. But it usually, in, in science fiction, usually will involve some some other forms of genre uh, to pad out its setting and things like that. But so hard sci-fi, all the magic work or not magic, all the science works. Like they use Newtonian physics for their space flight. They they have all this stuff and then they build stories within that. Soft sci-fi lets you kind of play with the the science. That's what I generally write. So like I've got in the book I'm writing right now, I have a machine that creates a bubble of particles that are theoretically possible called tachyons. And it wraps a ship in a bubble of these particles. And then the particles can travel faster than light and it lets them travel faster than light. The science, I've never done the math of the science might not even be there. I just heard about it once. Thought it was cool. I like the idea of a bubble. So if I were to go hard sci-fi, I'd use a gravity drive of some kind that actually has papers out about it. Um, so soft sci-fi can is still science focused. It's still like ships that are that are theoretically possible, but nobody's done the hard math saying it is possible. And so a a different, a pretty different way. Uh, I guess the other end of that sci-fi spectrum is the space space opera is that what it's called that's like star wars where it's almost as much fantasy as it is sci-fi right um yeah yeah space operas tend to focus as little as possible on the science of something um and it's more just we're going to tell a story in space i can't remember who said this so hopefully i can find a quote but uh, basically the the difference between science fiction and fantasy uh, that someone wanted to make was that science fiction is theoretically possible in our universe. Even if it's space opera, it's still in a galaxy far, far away, right? It's all semi-possible and could be connected to us, whereas fantasy is generally not. All right. I like that. Urban okay. fantasy kind of breaks that, but still, that was a, a distinction a major author made that I can't find for some reason. Um, but yeah, if they ask for hard sci-fi, they're looking for almost like a dissertation in novel format. Soft sci-fi, they're open to just stories in space or stories with tech, time travel, stuff like that. I don't know, Brianna, what would you say are some other subgenres? Dystopian, I think, is often sci-fi. Not always, but it can be because they'll usually deal with futuristic technology. Steampunk is also sci-fi. Well, I don't know. I feel like steampunk blurs the line a little bit. Mine feels more like fantasy to me, but it does deal it, with theoretical technology. So I think it depends on the source of energy or the source of power when it comes to steampunk. If it's a magical energy, it feels more fantasy. But if it's like this crystal generates electricity or something, it can be more science. But yeah, it definitely blurs the line. I agree with you. And I think 
like like beyond steampunk there's kind of like a bunch of like mini subgenres of like throwbacks to older technologies and like what if that had taken off so you've got steampunk you've got diesel punk you've got i can't remember the one that's like atomic like is is like atomic futurism i can't remember that one that one's name and then there's like cassette futurism so like you could have a story that's like in the aesthetics of like 70s and 80s technology but it's it's like in the future kind of thing and I don't know, like steampunk, I think is the biggest one, but there are like other ones that exist. And some of them go forward. So there's like solar punk, whereas it's told in a world where solar energy has just made everything clean and green and awesome. And then there are even other ones like hope punk and biopunk and cyberpunk. Yeah. Cyberpunk and steampunk, I would say, are the two most prevalent of the punk things, subgenres. Um, cyberpunk is generally uber techno technology. I think Blade Runner, Snow Snowpiercer, not Snowpiercer, Snow Crash, uh, stuff like that. Versus steampunk being um, steam stuff brought forward or steam related stuff brought forward. Um, another major science fiction subgenre is military sci-fi, where it it can draw it can either be a hard sci-fi story that takes place around military figures or in a war in space, or it can be soft sci-fi, but the main characters are like Marines. Um, a lot of uh, veterans write military sci-fi because they have the military experience and they just like sci-fi stuff. That one's another major one that I wouldn't, like me personally, I would never write a military sci-fi unless I interview a ton of people in the military or have a close family member who's been in the military or a close friend. Because I don't know how any of that works. I don't know how they talk to each other. I can guess, but it wouldn't come off as as authentic. And then yeah. sometimes there's stuff around technologies. Like there's AI-specific subgenres when there's a lot of AI stuff involved. There's Just like fantasy and all the others, there's so many options uh, that you can narrow it down to that eventually you kind of narrow narrow your books so far down that nobody wants to read it. Because it's just for you. So usually if you're, especially for like a query letter, uh, usually try to pick an umbrella genre and then your, and then as specific a subgenre as you can get when you're trying to describe a book so that they get the idea of how it might appeal to others. Yeah. And I also would include the age level. So like a middle mm-hmm. grade sci-fi would be for like junior high type kids. Yeah, that, I I really like that idea. I think it's really good to start with who is your audience. And middle grade is 8 to 12. Young adult is 12 to 18. Um, they have a new genre called new adult, which is in between young adult and adults. And then there's adults. So if you know which of those four age groups you're writing for, that's a really good place to start and to find agents that represent that market, that age group. And then you can kind of figure out, all right, it's sci-fi and maybe this subgenre of sci-fi and that should work. And like Sterling was saying, there's lots of like blanket terms <laughs> and genres that your story's going to fit in one of them. And we, we better end this, but 
<clears throat> Thank you for joining us on Writer's Block. Write on and have a good night.